Jones podcast. This is episode 70, and today we'll be talking about the transition from school to summer. Before I get started with today's topic, I wanted to remind you all to check out the community resource directory on my website. It's at uh, mymidwesttherapy.com, and click on the community resource directory tab. We really need to get some more people listed on there. Our community needs to get on the directory and make ourselves available for those people who might be looking for you. I'm looking for any business or individual who either works with people who have special needs in some way or who has products available for people to purchase. You can list your business or product on there at a very low advertising rate of only $30 for a whole year. Trust me, it doesn't get lower than that. And you can reach people from your own state to all the way across the world. I have listeners in 51 states in the United States and 56 countries total across the world. So you will be able to reach many people by putting your information out there on my website. The more businesses we get on there, the more likely it is that people will find yours. Now, as far as the topic for today, was transition from school time to summertime. You might be thinking that I'm crazy for starting to talk about summer when it's just barely the beginning of May now. But for those of you who have a child with special needs, especially one who does best when they have routine and structure in their lives, you probably understand why I'm talking about it now. Those parents definitely need to have time to plan ahead and prepare for summer. To most people, you might be thinking that it's no big deal. School gets out and everyone is happy now. But there are some kids who really struggle with this transition. Not because they don't like summer, but because it simply is a transition time. And because we all generally love summer, it is a transition that we don't necessarily plan ahead for. But even though it is summer and we all typically live for summer... Our kids who need the structure that school can provide for them might live for summer also, but need some help getting there. The reason might be that they go to school for nine months of the year, and the daily routine is basically the same five days a week. There are some variations from day to day, but they can usually learn to handle or expect these slight variations in the schedule as the school year goes on. Then, seemingly all of a sudden, they stop going to school and stay home every day instead. They've gotten used to going to school five days, being home or off school for two days over the weekend, then back to school and repeat. This becomes predictable and familiar to them. But once school ends, that predictable schedule and routine ends. And some kids really struggle with this. That's why we're talking about it now. So you can start to plan and think of the ways that you can help them get through this transition period. It might take from now until the end of school to get things in motion for them. You might be able to simply start talking to your child about summer and about school ending and come up with some social stories that you can read every day or several times per week to help them prepare in this way. If they're old enough to or cognitively able enough to understand this. 
I would consider making a social story about the last week of school and the last day of school, as well as the first day of summer. This way, they can start to talk about what happens during the last week or the last few days of school. We start to bring papers home and clean up their desks, and they have music class for the last time, and things like that. The last day, you can talk about what that looks like as well, and have a plan for what you're going to do after school on that last day. Going to lunch at a familiar place, or going to the park to play, or having a friend come over to play, or just going home to watch their favorite movie. Something that is going to be fun and not stressful for them. Some kids participate in this process and seem to understand it, but then when it actually happens... They still have a difficult time dealing with it, no matter how much you've tried to plan or discuss it. It's hard to explain this, but even for kids who understand that the change is happening, and they know that it means they will get to do fun things over the summer, just the fact that one thing is ending and another is beginning can be a hard thing to deal with. Think of it in a way like a loss of some kind. Even though they might be happy to have summer coming up, they might also be sad to see the school year end and not go there every day anymore and see their teachers and friends. For those of you who have children who need and prefer to have structure or schedule in their lives, you may want to try and have some of this also during the summer. I know it's harder to have schedules when they are home all summer, but having a simple routine that is consistent every morning and every evening at the very least can be helpful. Summer camps can be beneficial for some kids, although there can also be a transition from school to summer camp, and when summer camp ends, back to summertime or school, or however it works for you in your area. Summer camps don't have to be what you might think of as traditional summer camps where you ship the kids off for three months to an overnight camp in the woods somewhere. There are many summer camps offered these days, and you should be able to find something that could work for you in your own hometown. Things through the Parks and Rec or sometimes school districts offer some camps, and churches and private groups have some too. These may or may not be the answer for your child, depending on their individual needs and also your financial abilities as well, because they aren't always cheap. Even without camps, you can simply have a morning routine at home that is consistent every day. Creating a visual schedule if you don't have one already is a really good idea. Every day, you can look at the schedule board and lay out the plans for that day. Or you can do it for the whole week, one week at a time, or whatever fits your child's needs. Then refer to this schedule every morning and also talk about it about the day ahead. You might remove activities after you've completed from that day so they can see what's left. Visual schedules like this are helpful, especially for those of you who like to do different activities all summer long, and one day looks different from the next. However, usually when we can say that morning and evening times are almost always the same. So the rest of the day can be determined on at the beginning of each day so that you can be a little more flexible and not have to do the same things day in and day out. But the schedule will help make things more consistent and predictable in some way for your child. 
Just the routine of using the visual schedule can be enough for some kids to provide this consistent thing, the schedule that they can look at. This can help them see what the plan is for that day, and they can look at it when they need to throughout the day in order to feel some stability and predictability. When we use visual schedules, I'm talking about some type of a board system where you either use pictures or words or both, depending on your child's developmental level. It's not too hard to make the visual schedule. I would suggest using some type of poster board material or laminating paper that that you can use to make it more durable. I can have some examples of what those might look like in the show notes, and I will try to put some up on my Instagram page this week as well. If you make one that has the schedule for one day, I would make it so that each major part of the day is labeled. Start with the first transition of the day or the first main thing your child does in the morning. Maybe it's getting dressed. Then move on with the rest of the day, like eating breakfast and playtime, going for a walk, lunch, nap, then after nap, grandma's going to be here for a visit, then dinner, maybe watching a TV show, having a bath, and your bedtime routine. You can set it up however you want. Just make it work for you and your family. It is easier to use Velcro on the laminated board and Velcro on the back of each activity. So I would have one activity on its own card, each activity on its own card. And you'll need multiples of some of them, like eating or playing with toys or things like that. Then they can easily be placed on the board each day or the night before, maybe even better for some kids, so they will already know what to expect when they get up in the morning. Or it will be there for them to look at in case they don't remember. The Velcro also allows for those times when there are changes in the schedule that happen last minute or unexpectedly, so they can be replaced by a different activity or item instead. Sometimes it can be helpful to remove each card after the activity or that part of the schedule is over, so they can visually see that it is gone, so it is done, and they can see the next activity or card on the board and continue down from there. This also helps just remove the clutter from the board and focus on the things that are left for the rest of the day. This isn't necessary for all kids to do, but some kids do really well with this strategy. There's also those large wipe-off monthly calendars that are really great too. Those can be a separate strategy or item that will let them see those bigger events that are coming up later in the month. Some examples might be somebody's birthday or a big trip to the zoo, or a vacation. Those are all pretty big events that can be fun, but can also be a little unnerving for kids who have difficulties with transitions. Because those events are much bigger than the normal day-to-day activities that we do more frequently. They could take a lot more mental preparation for some kids, because those could be events they don't have as much practice or repetition with, so they are not as predictable for them. You don't always know what it's going to be like when you go to the zoo, for example. There could be a ton of people there or just a few people. It could be sunny or cloudy and cool throughout the day. It could also be especially noisy or nice and quiet. There are so many factors that are unpredictable. So these types of things can be good to have written on the monthly larger calendar 
so it's visible every day, and they can continue to be aware of it coming up and try to prepare for it. I wanted to bring up an additional thought on this subject. Many times, teachers, especially in elementary school, begin talking with their students at the end of the year about how they will be going into the next grade next year. I think the idea here is similar to what I've been talking about with the concept of transitions, but this can be and is a problem for many elementary age children, especially the younger ones, with or without special needs, and with or without any other issues at all. The kindergartners and first graders especially going into first and second grade next year, talking with them for the last month or two of the school year about how next year is going to be can be maybe slightly unnecessary. I've talked with so many parents about this, and I've personally gone through it with my own kids. At that age, they don't always have a good concept of time. Next week can seem like a long time away in their minds. So I'm not sure how effective it is to talk about next school year, which is, what, three or four months away? I think that teachers in this case are trying to prepare the kids for what the next grade is going to be like by bringing it up and trying to explain it. I think they have really good intentions and they're trying to help with the transition to the next grade level. But I I get I would guess if they asked parents their opinions, they would pretty much unanimously say, We don't really need to bring it up yet. Some kids can handle talking about it with no problem at all. Or maybe they aren't really listening or they don't care about those types of things. But in other kids, it can affect them in a really big way. They can start to feel stressed and nervous about the unknown of what it's going to be like next year. And there's probably really no point in doing that to them so far in advance. Then they would just spend parts of their fun summer off thinking or worrying about the next year. I would guess this is probably something that parents can handle on their own towards the end of the summer. If parents have a child who would actually really benefit from talking about this so far in advance, that could be something they bring up to the teacher specifically, and together they can figure out the best way to handle it for their child. It might be as simple as letting them meet the teacher that they will have next year before the end of the school year, so they can see what their teacher looks like, learn their name, and maybe even step into their classroom at some point to get a visual on what the room will look like. Otherwise, I'm thinking we may not need to try and help them with this transition quite so much so far in advance. To go along with what I was saying before, the kids who have trouble with transitions, they need to focus on the more immediate transition from school to summer and not confuse things by skipping over that that one to the next transition from summer back to school already. It occurred to me as I was writing this that kids and really anyone with special needs for that matter are not the only ones who could struggle with transitions. I would guess, in fact, that most of you listening have a pretty consistent schedule of your own. It may be easier for you to handle the day-to-day changes that occur or the variations in your daily routine. But for the most part, I'm betting that your days look pretty much the same from week to week. When the schedule changes for reasons that are unexpected or beyond your control, 
that can be frustrating and maybe even upsetting to you, depending on the situation. Even if you are able to rationalize it and understand it, you may still have some feelings about it. We deal with these situations as adults quite frequently, actually, and we usually just feel a little bummed out for a short time, and then we're fine, and we move on. As adults, we recognize that it's okay and that we're going to be fine. As kids, it doesn't always come as easy. We can move on from the unexpected change in routine from day to day and probably not think about it twice. A person that has difficulty with unexpected changes in routines could possibly have more trouble getting along, though. This can change and, and affect their mood for the next few hours or even the rest of the day. For a child that has trouble with this as well, they might not even realize that it was this disruption in their routine that is making them feel off, and their parents may not realize it either. They might not think of it six hours later because their child may not be able to tell them what's bothering them for one reason or another. So this is an important thing for adults, both parents and therapists or educators to be aware of, and help each other remember that any changes in regular routines or schedules can affect kiddos even longer than just immediately after the change happens. Again, focusing on a visual schedule and redirecting them to the rest of the day or the next day's schedule can be helpful in making the day predictable again. Also considering adding some sensory activities that are calming for that child. Depending on their individual needs, it could be movement like swinging or rocking activities or deep pressure, like sitting in a beanbag chair or using their weighted blanket, or putting on headphones and listening to a favorite song. These are just a few examples of things to consider. Of course, each person has their own things that are calming for them. But getting their body calm from a sensory processing standpoint could go a long way in resetting their mood and helping them cope with the anxiety or the negative feelings that they might be having from the changes in routine. I don't want to get too off off topic with this, But I also wanted to mention that I don't expect people to live off of visual schedules forever. Visual schedules may not be the thing that works best for an individual anyway. You might find other strategies that work much better for your own child. While I don't expect people to use these schedules forever, there are many people who actually want to use these, even as adults. The thing that is tricky about them with kids is that you don't always have them in front of you unless you can make one that is easily portable, which I would actually recommend doing that if you can. Sometimes things change even after you set the schedule for that day. Maybe the plan was to go to the park after lunch, but then after lunch it's already raining. Well, the park will now be out of the question, so you'll have to work on adjusting the schedule and updating it to the alternative activity. This can be difficult for kids to handle, but is also a really good opportunity to work on figuring out how to process the changes in the routine and learn how to cope with the changes. There could be many tantrums or children that become very upset by this, and this is so difficult for both the kids and their parents to manage and work through. But it is also a good thing to practice because not everything in life can be predictable forever. Life will always throw out those curveballs, 
And as adults, we know we can be there to help our kids figure out how to get through it when it happens. The visual schedules are just one idea of a concrete way of looking at the day and watching the changes on paper when they happen. But there are many other great ways of doing this also. If you like this show and the work that I'm doing here, you can support me by going to my website at mymidwesttherapy.com and clicking on the Amazon links before making your next Amazon purchase. It won't cost you any more than it ever does to shop on Amazon. Just an extra click or two on the internet before you get to start your shopping. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. 